Good morning, happy Sabbath. We had a busy, stressful week. It looks like all of them are that way. <laughs> the more time progresses, the more stress it seems to build up. And uh, I had a little bit of stress cause, I mean, a little bit of stress because of the car. I had lots of stress. <laughs> a little bit of stress my car gave me. You know, when you buy and you try to make the most with the least amount of money, <laughs> sometimes uh, they break down. And uh, so my car had, uh, about the end of the year, the antifreeze got into oil. So that's a big problem if you know mechanics. And I said, oh, okay, I will, uh, I have some time. I will fix it myself. I, I had to redo the head gasket. That was the problem. So it took me several days to do that work, and then I got it going and was working okay. For a, but then, when I was on the freeway, it started losing power, and I said, oh, something happened. All my work, my mechanics abilities are a failure. <laughs> and I get on the road, I try to look, I hope it was just a wire, I will put it back, but now it was not that. And, oh, I said, Say, oh, I'll go to the mechanic. He will help me. And uh, uh, and uh, the good thing is the mechanic was very knowledgeable. He just told me, the way you describe to me, I, it looks like the ignition coil is the problem. Those round bad go just replace that, and maybe that's an easy fix. Hopefully it's nothing more major. And uh, it, uh, it happened that that was the problem. And uh, it took me a few minutes to change that. And uh, so... Now, for a while, no stress. Hopefully, the car runs good. The idea is, uh, you know, you, I was a mechanic. I was looking by after the book, and I said, okay, I'll just do that. And the good thing is the mechanic was very knowledgeable, and uh, he helped me with those problems. When we have problems, especially moral problems, spiritual problems, we have somebody that can help us. That's Jesus. And uh, actually, if you look at our problem, it's very easy. It's just one problem, sin. But he can help us with sin, the sin problem, and that's his uh, mission, to help us solve the problem of sin. Today I decide to preach a sermon about uh, what Ellen White describes a greater danger than the persecution. And uh, I'll let you guess what is, we think is that. What might be greater danger for the church? I know my wife might know, so she asked me what I'm preaching about. Uh, what do you think might be a greater danger? Uh, yes, self might be a problem, but it's uh, something that c- can cause damage to the church. And then, no, run was closed. Uh, division? Uh, no, division is not bad. Christ came to bring division. <laughs> uh, division between sin and righteousness. Um, run said uh, it's a uh, error or. More, it's deceit or deceivers. Yes. 
Uh, yeah. Ellen White calls this uh, uh, the people that will deceive and false theory that will be introduced. Actually, if you look in Colossians, the memory text said uh, in uh, Colossians 2, verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So basically here Paul says, Beware lest any man spoil you. What he means, he, he might uh, be aware that you will not be lost. Because through philosophy and vain deceit. Here, uh, philosophy, if you look at, is those people that try to study and uh, uh, find answer to the most important things in life. The philosopher try to find out our existence, where we come from, and what the world accepts like philosophers, most of them they don't accept the Bible record that God created us. So they try to find other answer where we come from, and uh, all the answers they come, they are not good. They just deceive people and uh, actually uh, creates lots of stress and depression and all the others when you forget about God and uh, who created you. Then he talks about the tradition of man. Oh, it's everybody's doing it. And uh, after the rudiments of the world, this is a, I had to look in the dictionary, it's it. The basic things of the world that take, the world takes for granted, and uh, it might not be according to God's will, and they are contrary to Christ's will. Actually, Christ on the sermon, when he preached about the end time, uh, three times warned the, the faithful about, watch out, nobody dis- so nobody will deceive you. Uh, many false Christs will come and uh, try to deceive many. Let's read the, the in Matthew chapter 24, uh, where Christ three times, kind of, you will say when it's three times, it's very important. Uh, the first instance is in verses uh, 4 and 5. Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So this is the first warning of Christ. Then the next one, it is verses 11 and 12. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And then the next one is verses 23 and 24. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show, and shall show Great signs and wonders, inasmuch that it, if, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. 
clearly Christ said that uh, that's going to be a very serious problem in the end of time. And uh, to elaborate, I'll use something that uh, hopefully you have no problem for me using. Uh, it's what uh, the spirit of prophecy inspired the prophet to write about the end of time. And uh, here uh, she calls the verse that I read, and I say, Least any man should beguile you with enticing words. This is uh, from the Acts of the Apostle, where she writes about the letter that Paul wrote to uh, Colossians. And uh, she continues, Christ had foretold that deceivers will arise, through whose influence iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. He had warned the disciples that the church will be in more danger from this evil than from the persecution of the enemies. Again and again, Paul warned the believers against these false teachers. This peril above all others, they must guard against. For by receiving false teachers, they will open the door to errors by which the enemy will deem the spiritual perceptions and shake the confidence of those newly come to the faith of the gospel. Christ was the standard by which they were to test the doctrines presented. All that was not in harmony with his teaching, they were to reject. The warnings of the word of God regarding the perils surrounding the Christian church belong to us today. As in the days of the apostles, men tried by tradition and philosophy to destroy faith in the scripture. So today, by the pleasing sentiments of higher criticism, evolution, spiritualism, theosophy, and pantheism, the enemy of righteousness is seeking to lead souls into forbidden paths. To many, the Bible is a lamp without oil, because they turned their minds into channels of speculative beliefs that bring misunderstanding and confusion. The follower of Christ will meet with the enticing words against which the apostle warned the Colossian believers. He will meet with spiritualistic interpretation of the scripture, but he is not to accept them. And then it goes on about our need to follow the Bible and what the Bible teaches us. I mean, if you look at the way Satan uh, came to Eve and brought the fall of the human race, the Bible clearly says that uh, Eve was deceived. Satan came to her and said, oh, you know, God had said this, but... uh, it's not going to happen that way. And the sad part is she believed him and was deceived. And because of that, we see that uh, God was right and uh, was not good what she did. And uh, the same thing might happen to us also. You know, uh, as we follow to know the Lord, 
in our uh, path, we run across things that kind of reprove us of something that we do. And maybe it's the Holy Spirit trying to correct us and helping us. And then uh, instead of uh, trying to study for ourselves, we go and ask some uh, theologians and some doctors and teachers. And uh, they deceive us that what the Bible says it is not so. It's very interesting when you study what's happening. And so plain writings of the scripture are not taken at their face value. I'll give you one example. The Bible says that you should not put a mark on your body. Some Bible translation, it says that you should not put a tattoo on your body. It's very clear, you know, you should make your body an art object. But, you know, tradition says now it's everywhere. And even Christian, they have Christian tattoos. And people, instead of looking at the Bible and just taking the Bible the way it says, they go and ask those. And they are deceived that the Bible doesn't say what it says. And they are in the wrong expectation that, you know, God will tolerate disobedience. You know, if you look at, uh, you know, uh, the Bible is very clear. God wants us to obey him. And when you are converted, you will obey God in every particular, in every little things. And, uh, we have to know for ourselves what God says and what the Bible says. The, the sad part is there are so many uh, wrong ideas that uh, now uh, many people are uh, just duped into believing they go to heaven and they will be surprised of not getting there. But we have to make sure that we are not going to be among that class. Actually, in Revelation, it talks about that beast that goes and by their sorceries were all the nations being deceived. And if you look into Bible uh, uh, prophecy, you will see there that uh, one of the means that these uh, prostitutes deceive people is through the wine. And basically the wine is a symbol for the doctrine and teachings. So many people accept those teachings and those doctrines and they they are deceived. That's what happens. I like to look at at see some uh, some way that we can prevent that to happen to us. How to uh, discern between the the people that are really true teachers and the deceivers. I would like to share. Uh, Something more about what Ellen White wrote about this. In Desire of Ages, I have two paragraphs, short ones. Uh, first one is at page 456. And it talks here about uh, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and uh, when Christ said that, uh, you know, his uh, doctrine is of the Father, that the Father gave it to him. And he gave here one test about how to discern those deceivers. He now gave a test by which the true teacher might be distinguished from the deceiver. He that speaketh from himself seeketh his own glory, 
but he that seeketh the glory of him that sent him, the same is true, and no righteousness is in him. He that seeketh his own glory is speaking only from himself. The spirit of self-seeking betrays its origin, but Christ was seeking the glory of God. He spoke the words of God. This was the evidence of his authority as a teacher of truth. So when people talk about self and their ideas, and that's what they all talk and not about God, that's a clear sign that they are... uh, they are deceived, and they try to deceive others. Here is another paragraph that is very timely. The, comf- the comforter is called the spirit of truth. His work is to defi- define and man- maintain the truth. He first dwells in the heart as the spirit of truth, and thus he becomes the comforter. There is comfort and peace in the truth. But no real peace or comfort can be found in falsehood. It is through false theories and tradition that Satan gains his power over the mind. By directing man to false standards, he misshapes the character. Through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to the mind and impresses truth upon the heart. Thus, he exposes error and expels it from the soul. It is by the spirit of truth working through the word of God that Christ subdues his chosen people to himself. From from reading this, for me, uh, when you discover somebody presenting a false theory, I will say it's dangerous to listen to him anymore. I'll say, if somebody comes and preaches something, I will be very careful, and I'll try not to listen to him anymore. He might deceive you. I know it might be very hard sometimes. You have to go to church, (laughs) and uh, you have to uh, listen to sermons of people that, you know, they have some uh, wrong ideas, but I'll say you should be very careful what you let and what you accept to be truth. Because uh, they will twist and they will uh, make the scripture say something that it doesn't say. And uh, one of the great errors is understanding what God is. And this is what something that the church had to deal in the beginning. You know, when those pantheistic ideas came into the church, uh, basically uh, many have accepted those, and actually many of the leaders in the church did not saw that actually it's not the truth. Only when Ellen White stepped in and made it very clear, say, no, no, this is, it's not truth. Because, uh, you know, when Kellogg was presenting this pantheistic idea, he used lots of scripture and Ellen G. White and trying to prove that. And uh, basically, uh, the root of that, they made God to be an impersonal God. That means, oh, God is just a force, a power, and a being that it doesn't have 
is not a person. And Ellen White says about this is an impersonal God. And you know, it's strange. I just discovered, I thought that this view, it's accepted by only a few people, like Jehovah Witness. That's what they go around teaching people, that God is invisible and actually he's just a spirit and he doesn't have a body or a material things. But you know, um, listening to radio, that was a mistake. <laughs> I heard... It, it was family radio. They have good music, and sometimes they have a message. Somebody was talking about the Westminster Confession. Has somebody heard about that? Westminster Confession? Do you know? Basically, in uh, the England, when England was Protestant, 1646 or something, many theologians, they sat down and they brought out this paper in trying to explain what the Bible says about God. And uh, actually, if you lay, it's a doctrine that they believed. And in this uh, minister confession, I heard then on the radio, and it kind of struck me, because they were having something about God and God's personality. And I mean, you can go and check... Uh, but they say that God is invisible without body parts or passions. And you know, people are praising that because they said, oh, you know, all the times they, they gave Bible reference and it's almost all what the Bible says. And I looked in and uh, I saw there they gave the Bible verses that deals with uh, God's. The only thing is, you know, they picked up here and there out of context. It says in First Timothy one seventeen that you know that God is invisible, and then they um, yeah. If you have your Bible, let's to, uh, look there. First uh, Timothy one seventeen. That's why it's very important to know the Bible for ourselves and compare Scripture with Scriptures. First Timothy 1.17 Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And this is a verse that is quoted by many people. Uh, Trying to say, look, here is what the Bible says it. But I will say, if you look into what others says, it's God is invisible to the human eyes, and no human has seen God. But does not imply necessarily that God is an invisible spirit. So, I mean, uh, and then they use another Bible verse, Deuteronomy 4, 15 and 16, to prove their own kind of conclusion about Deuteronomy 4 verses 15 and 16 take it therefore good heed unto yourself for he saw no manner of similitude on that day the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire lest he corrupt yourself and make you a graven image 
the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female. So basically they look at these verses, oh, you didn't see any similitude because of that. But if you read the record there, it was God was covered in darkness and was there a cloud and they could not see, but God was behind there. The only thing is they could not see. It doesn't mean that God did not have something, but God did not, uh, was, could not be seen. He spoke to Moses, but Moses could not see him. That's why many have a problem because they said, oh, you know, uh, the Bible says sometimes that, uh, Moses talked to God mouth to mouth. And then that, uh, nobody had seen God. And they said, oh, this is some, uh, but, uh, and of course, then they gave John 4, 24, where uh, Christ said that God is spirit. I mean, the idea is, uh, we cannot really understand God that, that well, especially, uh, He's working in the universe and how he keeps all human, I mean, all life working. And uh, But uh, we know that he's a personal being and he uh, he's very close to us and he loves us. And uh, for somebody that want to have more study, there is a very good article written by uh, James White. And uh, the, the article, uh, it's in, uh, you know, if you go to Ellen J. White writing, he shows the, an immaterial God. Because that was actually the teaching of the time there, that, you know, God is immaterial. And James White there sets it clearly and write down that God has a material body. And uh, I even heard this, uh, this idea in some of... Uh, our churches by persons that uh, were kind of talking about God is a spirit and that's it and uh, nothing else. But those are some of the things we have to get into and make sure we are not deceived by those. I think one of the things that uh, is very important, we have to keep our minds into a very good working order so our brains work good. And there is one thing that can be a factor in us being more prone to be deceived. And actually, the Bible calls these deceitful meats or foods that makes us sick and also impair our capacity of thinking. Let's look into this uh, Bible injunction about being careful what you eat because it might deceive you. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 1 to 3. And here it says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. And this is uh, is very uh, timely because uh, I'll say many of the food that the so-called important, the rulers use, you know, they, they afford, they have money. And they, you read there the uh, menu, what they eat there. Many of them are deceitful meats. They are very expensive but make you sick. 
And the way it's deceitful, and actually the way it deceives, because, you know, the world says, oh, is it good for you? It provides that and that. So people take that and they get sick. The world promotes something that is supposed to give you lots of calcium. And it deceives people and they use that and actually they have the bones broken and all that. Uh, the people promote chocolate to be good for mental memory. And actually, you know what's interesting? It was a site that had lots of good things about eating healthy, natural foods, but then they added up this. And uh, it's uh, deceiving people about thinking that that helps, and when I, I believe it does the opposite. So we have to be careful, and I would say when there are all these kind of ideas, we have Ellen G. White to check everything with. Um, I know uh, the testimony of, a, of an Adventist a preacher that I like a lot. He said, you know, when I came in the church, I had a problem with Ellen White. And I wanted to prove her wrong. And he said he was a scientist at the university in South Africa. And he said, okay, everything she said about certain foods that is not really accepted, I was trying to put it to the test and prove her wrong. And guess what? He did not prove her wrong. And actually, he found out that she was right. And actually, he became a believer. And now he's a promoter of Ellen Jawai. One of the things he put to the test, he said that, you know, Ellen White said about we shouldn't mix and eat milk and sugar. It's very dangerous. It's worse than meat, fried meat and that. And he said, okay, I'll put it to the test, you know, because people eat chocolate cakes and all uh, chocolate drinks and all that. That is basically that. And when he did the research, he found out, oh, yeah, it's not good for your health. And that's... And he, he said, he put it to the test, some other things about especially food. And basically, uh, he was convinced that afterwards, she was more than just a human. She had some inspiration that was more than human. And uh, I'll say, with all these trends and all these fads, I will stick with uh, God's uh, prophet and uh, we'll be safe. And uh, it's very important to follow her counsel because you see so much suffering and so much sickness and disease. I'll say, let's not be deceived. You know, health is not the result of uh, chance. It's the result of what we do. And when you put the wrong stuff, you know, you, you shouldn't expect God to work a miracle. So maybe we should pay more attention to uh, God's counsel about what's best for our health and not be deceived about what the tradition and the world says. Also on the on the sermon and the parable that Christ gave he uh, talked about some group of people, you know, the parable of the seed sown he gave there, and one of the group of the people that is the closest to get to heaven but will be lost is the seed sown between thorns. And uh, uh, it was growing, but then all these things choked it up and uh, died. Actually, this is in Matthew uh, chapter 13. 
He gave there uh, one of the reason why that group of people will be lost. It's very interesting. Actually, there are two reasons. I mean, two group of people that will be uh, kind of uh, influenced by something and will be lost. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, Christ said, He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this word and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. So the first, the care of the, this world, and then the deceitfulness of riches. So Christ says the deceitfulness of riches. And uh, I'll say this is uh, what the Bible talks about. The temptation to get rich. And that uh, it comes with lots of snares, and many fall into that. And you know, now it's... Uh, it's uh, it's a real deal about because there are so many stories of people get rich overnight and making lots. I mean, not many uh, people making money and not really working very hard. And the temptation is this one: oh, you will just do a scheme and get lots of money. And some of them are legal, but we are counsel about this desire of getting something that is not really. For me, I know something. I made my own mind when I said it. And, you know, when people offer something for free, I said, you know, I'd rather work for it. I don't want just things for free. <laughs> you don't teach me good values in life. <laughs> to get something, you have to put some effort, no? If they just gave, that's a Santa Claus, but I don't believe in Santa Claus. But there is now the temptation is, oh, I'll just go on this transaction. And I was talking with a friend, of, I mean a friend, oh, he was a neighbor when I grew up together. He was a professor teacher, I mean a teacher in the university in Romania. And something happened, the politics and all that, and he got fired. I think the reason was he did not have a PhD, and they were required, the university teacher, to have a PhD. And so they dropped him out. And I was talking to him. I said, no, so what are you going to do now? Are you going to work with your hands and start doing something? <laughs> get some practical, you know, uh, lesson in life. So no, no. He told me, work is for people that have no brain. <laughs> or basically something like that. People that don't know how to get money without breaking their bones or something like that. Work is for the tractors. And you know, when I heard, I said, oh, oh, this guy is having some, be careful what he said. And then I said, oh, oh and how are you going to make a living? <laughs> And he said, oh, you know, there are so many opportunities out there. You just go, and if you put your brain to work. And then he started talking to me about the Bitcoin. And was back several years ago. But, you know, I also, I already have the flag raised up. You know, money without work, and I don't want to hear. And he started talking. But for me, I already, you know, raised up my uh, barrier. And uh, I didn't really understood what he said. The only thing, it's a real thing. And I said, you know, if I would have listened to his advice, invested a few, I think I would have had about 15 times the value nowadays uh, in about three years or something. So if I would have invested $1,000, it would have been a very good return. 
But my conscience, it bothers me because, you know, we are counseled about this. When you get wealth, you have to see, have I deserved that? Have I produced something? I just don't just want to get money and not do something for money. There is a moral principle about that money is just a means of exchange. To get money, you have to put time and effort and that. The only, I think, biblical and good way is to work hard and save. That's the way. And produce something and not scatter it about. All these schemes and uh, all these uh, Ponzi scheme and all this. And you know what's happening? When you go after this, then you are the one that are burned. Because, you know, all the things... The Ponzi schemes are people offering more than what you should get, and people jump into there and get the money. I know in Romania there was a, a system set up by a guy. You'll put the money, and in three months you get about eight times the value. And uh, it was called caritas. <laughs> it comes from love or something like that. And people jumped into you know, and it worked because they start paying some people, and then everybody, until of course there was not enough money coming in, and then people were speculating. And I know uh, my dad, he was not a believer. He was, oh, let me go. I, I want to get my, uh, you know. And my mom, that was, she was a very good Christian, kind of uh, good sense, say, be happy with what you have. Don't go after that because it's something fishy. But my God got in there and he got in late. <laughs> he didn't get uh, the money back and uh, somebody else had ended up. But he said that, and the deceitfulness, the riches. When you make riches, he gave you a certain uh, kind of uh, feeling of security. Oh, I have a. I have a big bank account, I just want to get the money out and I'm good. But uh, pretty soon the riches will be worthless and the gold will rust. My take is this one. Uh, there are lots of things that uh, are in the world that try to deceive us. I think my, our safety is to study for ourselves and be grounded in, the, in, the, in God's word and make sure that uh, we are not going to be deceived in the end time. I was reading, I mean, I was watching, uh, they had a, in Romania, they had a TV, and they invited there certain leaders of different churches. And they asked the question, what's happening to humans when they die? So it's the state of the dead, as you call it in the and they had an Orthodox, they had a Catholic, they have an Evangelical, and they had a Baptist. And all five of them, or four, whatever, they agree about, oh, you know, uh, you don't die when you die. Your soul is living. It's the immortality of the soul. And they, I, I was listening to them to see how they're reasoning. And, and you know, it's very strange because they embrace that wrong doctrine. Then they build up with some other doctrines that are also wrong and contradictory to the Bible. Because, of course, there was an Adventist TV and the moderator was an Adventist. And he asked, okay, if you don't die, what's happening to your body? Oh, And then they try to make the 
try to make the church, I mean the Bible, feed to their ideas and theories. And then, of course, they had to go. If the if the uh, if the soul is immortal, you cannot destroy it at that. I mean, uh, in the in the you have to punish it forever. So when they accepted that wrong idea, all the wrong idea came in. And you try to talk with those people and say the Bible talks about no, those people will be annihilated and there will be no more. That's what the Bible clearly teaches. But, you know, they accepted one wrong idea, and from there they built up on that, and they had departed. And uh, we know that's going to be one of the channels through which the spiritualism will come. My prayer is that uh, we will know the truth for ourselves, we'll be grounded in the word of the Lord, and maybe uh, spend less time with people that we know they present wrong ideas. For me, I made the rule, you know, when I have my own free times, when the people I know they have a wrong idea, I don't listen to them. Even the some people from all oh, listen to this guy. I say, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, I have uh, other... He might have a good message, uh, don't take me wrong, but I know he has some other messages that he embraced pretty much. And uh, I'm not judging that he's lost, but I'm more careful about what I let my mind to dwell on. And uh, I think the safety is uh, to know the truth for ourselves and, ki- and think critical. And my prayer is that uh, when the times of the end will come and we know these more theories and all this uh, Satan will work with more power, we will not be deceived but stand for the truth and uh, help others to know the truth. Amen.